Welcome to this uh, departmental seminar. It's a great pleasure to uh, welcome Claudio Coelho, um, who uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Uh, a particular pleasure because Claudio and I have been responsible for setting up the McGill-Oxford Neuroscience Collaboration, which has been going for about three or four years now, which is going to be extended to include um, ZNZ, which is the University of Zurich and Technical College in Zurich. And so uh, I've had a lot of conversations over the, uh, uh, the Atlantic with Claudio, and we've met up on many occasions uh, to get this together. And he's an absolutely sort of fiery sort of individual who wants to get things to happen. And so even when I was slacking, I would get telephone calls saying, saying come on, Chris, come on. You know, we haven't done this, haven't done that. So uh, the, uh, this collaboration, which some of you have been part of, has really been down to uh, Claudio's enthusiasm. So Claudio is professor of uh, um, Charles Frost and Merck, uh, chair of pharmacology, and previous head of the uh, Department of Pharmacology and Therapeutics at McGill. Um, he started his... Uh, um, research career, uh, did medicine in uh, Buenos Aires, and he was actually did a, um, worked with one of the great names in neuroscience, who, uh, uh, Eduardo de Robertis, who I remember his name, uh, because he discovered synaptic vesicles, so pretty important guy. And he graduated in 1965, he did some work early on in the hypothalamic and pituitary axis, and then he came over to the MRC Neuropharmacology Unit in Cambridge which was run by Les Iverson, and developed uh, a number of uh, techniques for the measurement of catecholamines. Uh, then he came to Oxford, so he's a strong link with Oxford. He was a, uh, a university lecturer in the Department of Pharmacology and a fellow at Lincoln College. And uh, then in uh, 1985, he was whisked away from Oxford to take up the chair and the headship of the Department of Pharmacology at McGill. Uh, so he's been working for many years on uh, various aspects of uh, cellular neural repair and the cellular molecular neuropathology of Alzheimer's disease. He's a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada and he's received many awards including the Order of Canada. Uh, so it's a great pleasure Claudio to welcome you to give this uh, seminar and he's going to talk on, as you see, early inflammation and nerve growth factor deregulation in Alzheimer's and Down syndrome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming in the middle of the day. That, uh, I was uh, considering an audience of five or six, so I got totally taken by the presence of many young people. Uh, and I should say, A, that I'm very pleased uh, that uh, Chris uh, gave me the opportunity to chat here. And B, that uh, it's very nice to see some faces, uh, people with whom uh, I had a personal interaction and, uh, in the past. Uh, and uh, thirdly and foremost, uh, the fact that uh, being in the UK for me is uh, terrific because I consider uh, Britain home. And uh, we were offered a home both in Cambridge and in Oxford when things uh, were very difficult in Argentina. Uh, my daughters are very British and my six grandchildren are British as well. This is an introito. Uh, the, uh, what I'm going to talk is uh, uh, fairly different from many of the things that you have heard in Alzheimer's. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, not being messianic, I still believe that I'm right. Uh, and this is uh, uh, what I will try to persuade you 
and uh, we'll go a little bit fast because of some uh, number of slides, uh, but I will try to uh, point out uh, the most uh, important issue, and we can leave for the discussion to clarify. And uh, so basically, this is something that everybody knows. This uh, and a skin I made for tips uh, some nearly 20 years ago, and it still is valid in the sense that uh, the pathology in Alzheimer is complex, uh, has many elements. Central to it is uh, the beta accumulation that can create uh, very toxic oligomer, the fibular aggregates, and end up being plaques. Uh, a very rapid inflammation around the plaques <coughs> and at, uh, the apoe component uh, and uh, the fact that APP, the amyloid precursor protein, can go this way in the amylogenic pathway or can go into the non-amylogenic pathway. And interleukine acetylcholine is one of the factors that shift uh, APP to be non-amylogenic. <coughs> in any in this uh, fragment, uh, the soluble APP alpha is uh, neurotogenic as MUC and our lab has shown. And uh, uh, the neurons which provide acetylcholine are coming from the forward brain, uh, uh, for brain, uh, are cholinergic and are the extraordinarily dependent or NGF and vulnerable, and the most vulnerable to the cement uh, pathology. Now inflammation. <coughs> These are things that uh, many of you know that uh, the McGears in the 80s made emphasis on the inflammatory component of the plaque with the microglia recruitment and immune activation. And uh, then the, they saw in a very influential paper in the 1990s in Lancet that uh, individuals who had uh, for long-term treatment with uh, NSAID and inflammatory compounds uh, had a very low prevalence uh, of uh, uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, uh, have a latent set and low prevalence of same uh, ages. And uh, Ekeleborn and others uh, made the point that the uh, inflammatory process is intimately related to the pathology, and, and uh, therefore the industry considered it uh, um, this moral design, the fact that uh, inflammation and the microglia. So, to, but this, this uh, plaque uh, inflammation is what they will call it Meshnikov type. It's a, a brutal inflammation. It has uh, everything possible, complements, uh, uh, proteases, cytokines, uh, growth factors, uh, thrombin, uh, um, uh, the whole uh, sort of very uh, violent inflammation uh, uh, later stages. And uh, these are, uh, this is Manikov, a uh, famous uh, book, and these are the Magyar. And this is how you see plaques in the uh, human, you know, with astroliosis, microgliosis, this is from Magyar. And this is how you see in my rat transgenic model, which is fantastic because uh, close, it has a very close pathology to the human brain. So uh, the fact of this uh, business of inflammation at that stage provoke to many people, and the, the Magyars in particular, that should be an anti-inflammatory therapy. That it will be the, the uh, explanation why people hadn't said had less Alzheimer. And then they uh, need to jump to consider it uh, to be a therapeutic target for the prospective uh, 
situation. And uh, that was a disaster. I mean, hundreds, if not billions of dollars um, uh, uh, were thrown away because uh, the result is negative. It, uh, you give aspirin, steroids, or NSAIDs, uh, uh, there is no positive result, and uh, there is no efficacy, and the recommendation of the Crocan study that you know is a huge database analysis, uh, a meta-analysis of all the treatment, and the, the uh, uh, most important the, the conclusion was, therefore, this drug cannot be recommended for the treatment of Alzheimer's. So you have a, a very passing situation. You keep uh, early, uh, uh, anti-inflammatory is good, late is bad. So we are working on possible scenarios. And one scenario that's unlikely to deliver reverted disease progression with anti-inflammatories once you have a clinical situation. The, the pathology is very advanced, and inflammation might even be good. If not inflammation, the immune system component, which is uh, compensatory. And the uh, anti-inflammatory therapy could be only good at the silent stages where you don't have a clinical diagnosis. And if there is likely to delay or prevent disease progression, in other words, the initial phases will be predominantly toxic pro-inflammatory uh, situation. The later stages will be predominantly phagocytic immune uh, system situation. And, uh, and uh, most of you, or many of you, are very familiar with the two slides, one from Jack Jr. and the for Bateman uh, uh, group, and, and uh, uh, showing that both in the familiar and sporadic the uh, beginning of the disease is decades before the first uh, situation in which you have diagnosis, which is uh, mild cognitive impairment, and now we're moving to subjective cognitive impairment. And there will be a, a, a situation in the future, not yet, in which we can have predictors of disease and have the ethical possibility of having early therapy. So we're working the hypothesis uh, premises that uh, there should be in the pre-diagnostic phase uh, an opportunity, a therapeutic opportunity. That this phase <coughs> will be characterized by the gradual accumulation of beta ligomers, initially intracellular, and, uh, and afterwards extracellular with very little plaques or very few plaques or, or small plaques. And this will be the silent, uh, 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 this silent stage of the evolving the pathology it's hard to investigate, obviously, even retrospectively, the human brain, because you don't know the particular brain whether if HALIP uh, will develop Alzheimer's. However, transgenic uh, uh, models uh, do develop amyloid-like pathology, and you can see the progression. And this is what we see in one of our models. It is a mice model, in which you have first uh, an intracellular aggregation of Ibita with monoclonal antibodies uh, which are uh, um, generic. They will distinguish any form. And possibly this early form is mostly monomeric. When you go with a very specific uh, monoclonals against uh, uh, oligomers, uh, they start later in the progression of the pathology. And which is extraordinary, both in the rat and the mice, and the, the transition stages between the pre-plaque to the post-plaque you have even fibrillar material 
uh, will disappear from the neurons uh, at the moment the plaques are present. And if you look at this stage uh, where you have oligomers, you have a, a, a pattern of inflammation which is similar to the plaque in terms of uh, classical uh, components that measure to compatibility antigen 2, inducible nitric uh, uh, oxide synthase, COX-2, and many others. So uh, what is very interesting is that in this situation, you don't have microgliosis as such. So the number of microglia remains intact, but the, the size of the microglia change, which is uh, considered nowadays as an intermediate activation situation. And this is characterized by a situation which produce cytokines and negative uh, components, uh, and, uh, bad uh, signals uh, for neurons. And this is how we look when it's fully activated and uh, monocytic-like. And in that case, you have micro, so-called microgliosis, but uh, I will bet that half of the deep material are monocytes penetrated for periphery. And, and the other thing is that the microglia, which is in the normal uh, wild-type uh, brain, is located uh, anywhere in the neuropile. <coughs> Heterogenic, this is new N. This is a beta cytoplasmatic. <laughs> uh, the microglia move towards the uh, area where there are a beta burden neurons. And this is uh, the increment in this area uh, when you do image analysis uh, uh, with computers. And this is in the this is hippocampus, you say the same, the same in the cortex, but it's difficult to derive. This is qualitative derive uh, numbers out of the cortex. Uh, we have done the same uh, lately in a, a, a rat transgenic uh, model of uh, the Alzheimer pathology. This uh, developed uh, intracellular beta and extracellular beta plaques that are different positive, fantastic uh, immunological reaction around the plaques. And uh, this uh, model uh, has also the trophic neurites. Uh, Leon, and the same evolution of monomer to ligomer to fibular. And the model is fantastic because it reproduces most of the peaks in mass spectrometry in the CSF than the human. And the CSF uh, has, like in the human, a decay in the uh, content of uh, in beta in the CSF, and now we are measuring blood. So it's very human-like uh, model. And if you look uh, in this pre-plaque stage, in this uh, model, uh, every single morphometric uh, parameter of activation of the neuron in the birth uh, region of the hippocampus uh, show activation and also show recruitment uh, uh, modification of the soma, but um, also recruitment towards the beta burden neurons. Uh, there is in this model also a, a very marked uh, astroliosis, which is similar to the human brain and uh, uh, great activity of uh, cytokines and chemokines, uh, uh, not illustrated here, but also a, a fatal kind, which is a component to attract uh, uh, microglia uh, to areas of stress. The model has the advantage that uh, can be used for positron emission tomography, and this is uh, the microglia invasion of uh, the uh, hippocampus uh, 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 with a new uh, marker, uh, and this in, the, in, in collaboration with Rosaneto at the Douglas uh, Institute in McGill. Now, but what is uh, most revealing with the rata 
obviously the challenge for us now to do it in human is that uh, the very initial signals of inflammation are not in the glia. The very first initial signs of CNS inflammation are present in neurons. And, uh, and these are uh, 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 classical markers such as COX, interleukin 1 beta, and tumor necrosis uh, factor alpha. This uh, already is out in neurobiology of patients. And there is, um, my recollection, not uh, any specific uh, demonstration of that uh, in the literature, but uh, I found a paper, Rockel, mentioned by uh, Wiz Correa Milk in 2002, a paper of Rockel in vitro showing that the accumulation of mefolded proteins in neurons will activate the COX-2 pretty much as we find here. So a stress the neurons might be the initial inflammatory uh, agent uh, in the brain. And now we are moving to the human brain to see if we can show this. The other aspect, and this unfortunately will not show well, probably, let me see if, uh, uh, well, uh, you have to take this uh, by faith. There have been a, a, a discussion whether the intracellular material, which is a beta immunoreactive, uh, whether it's uh, a beta, uh, uh, um, immunoreactivity or is AP, APP or immunoreactivity. So we use, uh, oh, that's better. We use uh, antibodies that will recognize APP and CTF, C-terminal uh, fragments of APP, and these are the red spot. And we use uh, a, a genetic antibody that will recognize monomeric and oligomeric form of beta, and there are the green spots. And there is 60-70% uh, uh, of differential uh, location, and only 30% co-localization, uh, meaning that the co-localization might be that the a beta antibody represented a beta, but the space in pixels of the localization that, uh, gives place to locate of thousands of thousands, tens of thousands of molecules, so there is not any certitude that uh, they co-localize. So the most important message that they are both intracellular beta and intracellular uh, uh, APP. And this is uh, impressive in acta neuropathology uh, communication. And uh, the question, I think we can put the light uh, on back. Thank you. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, people go to sleep. <laughs> I want to keep some of you quite the way to the end. And, and uh, so the question we ask ourselves, can we uh, pick up signals of this in the human brain? So we are starting a study with the religious order study that uh, you might know. This uh, brain bank of uh, nuns and priests uh, have cognitive assessment uh, uh, regularly. And on death, uh, they donate the brain. Uh, there is a very thorough anatomical analysis, pathological analysis uh, of this brain. So. We can do neurochemistry, neurochemistry, and correlate with the database, and it's fantastic. One of the things we have done is to split non-cognitive impaired cases uh, with, without a beta uh, burden and with some beta burden, and uh, um, and and also uh, 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 this is uh, reverse neurofibrillary tangle, no, no NTF, uh, FTF. Anyhow, so without pathology, we have done the same. And if we, this group is split this manner, 
we look at uh, the uh, uh, intercompatibility complex two, for instance, there is a tremendous uh, difference. And we're starting to see other markers as well. So what it means that uh, uh, there is uh, a, a, a probably a dormant uh, uh, inflammatory, pro-inflammatory process. Yes? No cognitive impaired. So these are the people who don't show any <clears throat> in the global assessment, uh, like uh, a global cognitive score or others, uh, any defect, minimal uh, uh, defect on, on, <coughs> on cognition. And, uh, but they do have, uh, for the global cognitive score, uh, uh, a very great difference uh, in the cognitive outcome in these uh, patients divided this manner. So even when they are globally non-cognitive impaired, they are different cognitively. Good. So uh, the simple conclusions, uh, and I try to bring to the to the, the, the bare uh, the, the simple situation, is that there should be diverse stages in the Alzheimer's inflammation and immune responses as the pathology develops. Uh, we believe, and this is more a belief than anything else, that uh, 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 the station of the silent pathology will allow to new uh, therapeutic targets and new biomarkers. And, uh, this is uh, an area of research. And the major challenge that uh, we find nowadays, certainly us, but many others, is uh, to bring this to translational value, either uh, for diagnosis or therapeutic and it will be hard to crack these silent stages of Alzheimer's. Now, one of the things we have learned uh, by applied, and this is not transgenesis, but applied in naive animals, the beta oligomers. If we put the beta oligomers in the hippocampus, in very short time, you have a situation on the uh, inflammatory uh, case in which uh, you have metalloproteases inflammatory type up, inducible integral size up, CD40 is a marker for microglia up very rapidly. But to our surprise, uh, we found that uh, PRONGF was also elevated. Why this is interesting? It is interesting because in Alzheimer's, there is a huge elevation in PRONGF as well, which have been very conflicted. And this is important because of the, of the, of the relationship uh, with these neurons, uh, which are totally dependent on NGF. And this is my tribute to a great dam of science, Vita uh, Levi And for the young ones, and ladies in particular, I suggest to read The Impression of Perfection, because it's an extraordinary case of a person who should uh, overcome a tremendous difficulty uh, for life and doing research. And this is uh, my great honor to make her uh, Dr. Honoris Causa of uh, uh, McGill on the 100 years anniversary. Now, the NGF is produced in the cortex and, and the hippocampus and uh, maintains the phenotype of the cholinergic neurons from the basalis and the septum to the hippocampus and to, and to the cortex. And there is no question that uh, this uh, cholinergic influence uh, have a role uh, we have a behaviorist here, and attention, learning, memory, and synaptic recommendation of sensory uh, inputs. And um, uh, such as you put the scopolamine, 
you have uh, an age pattern of memory, for instance, uh, in, in a human being. And, uh, and there is no question that NGF uh, exogenously can bring back to life atrophic neurons, uh, which uh, uh, are atrophic uh, with a lesion in the cortex, and re recover synapses as well. And, but it's not only exogenous, but if you block the endogenous NGF, as we have done it uh, with uh, our own monoclonal NGF, or with track a antagonist, which is the receptor for NGF, uh, you have a location dependent in relation to the closeness of the, the application of antibody or the antagonist, uh, depletion of uh, pre-existing cholinergic synapses. <coughs> so the, the take-home message is that uh, endogenous NGF control <coughs> the steady state number of cholinergic synapses in all of our cells. We are dependent on activity Neuron activity and release of NGF to maintain both synapses. Now, uh, there is no question about the loss of synapses and atrophy in Alzheimer. The, uh, in, in the in the 80s, uh, was this big issue is that some is caused by lots of growth factor, and so people went to investigate that, and the answer was not. Not only uh, the synthesis was totally normal, and this is gathered uh, from the NB in Cambridge and. In Canada, many others, uh, but also, the, and this was the most uh, uh, puzzling situation. The precursor of NGF was elevated, was supranormal. So, in theory, you have a lot of uh, trophic offer with uh, 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 atrophy of NGF dependent cholinergic neuron. It is a paradox. And uh, so, we ask ourselves, well, perhaps. It is there, but they have a, a, an, an aging or an Alzheimer. There is a defect on the release of the NGF. So what we did uh, was to investigate release. But uh, before investigating release, uh, there was a dogma. Uh, the dogma, which you find in all the books, and which are going to destroy in the next uh, few slides, uh, is that uh, 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 textbook is that uh, the maturation of NGF, that is to say the conversion of pro-NGF to mature NGF, occurs inside neurons and is a furin-mediated mechanism. And the molecule which is released in activity-independent manner is mature NGF, the ready-made NGF, biologically active. However, the dogma in retrospect has important shortfalls. Those are the studies which have been done in cell lines or dissociative primary cultures, and in many cases uh, with transfection coding for the mature NGF. So you transfect uh, mature NGF, in the stimulation you get mature NGF. And, uh, and the detection uh, was made in every case with ELISA. ELISA will give immunoreactivity for NGF, but without discriminating whether it's the pro hormone or the mature uh, uh, molecule. So what we did is go back to basics, okay? And this is what I told the students. Think simple, do classical experiment. So we did the, the auto-liquid type of Bagustov uh, 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 experiment. So we, we did a very nice uh, superficial system in which uh, produce, uh, put ex vivo uh, cubes of cerebral cortex uh, 
and stimulated uh, uh, with uh, transmitters uh, and uh, release uh, the, the release material was collected uh, and analyzed with proctor uh, uh, blots. And in every, we never ever found mature AGF with the stimulation. And with the stimulation, we carbacol, glutamate, potassium chloride, and what we get is pro-NGF. This is the, where the mature NGF should have fallen. And, uh, and this is contrary to transmitter, is intracellular calcium dependent. Transmitter release is extracellular calcium dependent. And to make an old story short, uh, took us two years, it comes with a package of uh, 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 molecules, which are TPA plus minirosepine pro MVP9, tip one, uh, uh, which is a metabolic unit, and you will see why. And uh, so we figured out that uh, along with ProGF, Plapinogen uh, uh, was released, uh, TPA was released, neurosarpin is an uh, uh, um, inhibitor of uh, TPA, and MVP9, and TIM1 is a regulator of MVP9. And the mature NGF will be produced uh, by the a conversion of uh, uh, plasminogen, the cymogen, by uh, tissue plasminogen activated into plasmin, and plasmin will cut uh, uh, pro-NGF into mature NGF. This mature NGF will be rapidly bound to the connect receptors, uh, TRAC-K, P75, TRAC-K75 together, or P75 with sortiline, uh, or uh, in case of pro-NGF, and internalized and uh, whatever is left uh, disappears very quickly because uh, the, uh, the activated uh, uh, metalloprotease uh, will degrade it uh, very, very rapidly. So we have been measured for 30 years as uh, mature NGF, it's not correct, is 90% uh, 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 if no more uh, pro NGF. So this I'm not going to go in extent, so to tell you that we have blocked the conversion of uh, pro-NGF to mature NGF in the prefrontal cortex uh, with antiplasmin. And if you do that, uh, you have an upregulation of mature NGF. Uh, 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 sorry, did you block? You have pro-NGF as in the, in the Alzheimer's situation. Uh, you don't convert. And if you block the degradation with the metalloprotease inhibitor, you have a sustained increase of the mature NGF. And this uh, translates into a phenotypic situation regarding cholinergic synapses, uh, which you can very badly see here, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the fact is that uh, you lose about 50% uh, uh, of the cholinergic synapses if you, for three days, uh, block the conversion, uh, for two weeks, sorry, if you block the conversion, here it is uh, normal vesicular acetylcholine transport, the cholinergic synapses and very few synapses uh, left in an equal field, uh, but no change in GABAergic uh, uh, fields or glutamatergic or noradrenergic uh, synapses. Uh, and the opposite is true. You give uh, uh, inhibitors of MP9. You, for the first time, start to see clearly in the cortex uh, mature NGF, and you have a supernumerary uh, amount of uh, cholinergic synapses uh, with no effect uh, in behavior. Yes, if you lose uh, synapses, uh, you have recognition, and not illustrated here, 
notation of the paper. And uh, uh, this is because these are very young animals which are already operating to their maximum intellectual abilities. Uh, so this is uh, a, a, a situation in which we say to ourselves, well, perhaps this paradox of having motoprone GF in Alzheimer and atrophy is related to this uh, pathway we have discovered. And what we did is uh, to look in cortex of uh, Alzheimer's, and we thought we saw that uh, platinogen, the Alzheimer's for platinum, was 30-40% uh, reduced. The TPA is also reduced uh, by 50%, and you have about a quarter of plasmin resulting from this interaction, which will lead to a blockade or inability to convert uh, uh, pro-NGF to mature NGF and pileups uh, in neurons of pro-NGF, which is not good news anyhow because, if anything, can be uh, anti-neurotrophic. Uh, what's interesting is that not only you have uh, less mature NGF, but you have more of the degrading enzyme. The metalloprotease 9, you have more uh, protein, and you have more proteolytic activity of this protein. So there will be even further uh, 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 compromise of the biological activity of uh, mature NGF. And at least uh, for global cognitive score, in mild cognitive impairment, there is a correlation between the course in cognition and the elevation of the, the metalloprotease uh, 9. And uh, this is something we would like to investigate more. Now, last few slides, so we are reaching to the end. So we can breathe and uh, think about something else and, and switch gears. And I'm going to talk about uh, Down syndrome. When I wanted to work on Down uh, syndrome, uh, my uh, graduate student, who, by the way, is brilliant, she thought I was stupid, uh, frankly. And it took me months to convince her that there's a wonderful model to see the early uh, amyloidosis uh, because of the trisomy of the chromosome 21, which called for APP. As it happened, when she tried to work with it, uh, took off like crazy, she got uh, very excited, she got done a wonderful work, and I had done an amazing thesis, uh, which will be defended soon. And, uh, but I tell you that uh, for those who don't know, I think many of you do know, is that by middle age in, 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 uh, in Down syndrome, you already have neuritic uh, um, uh, uh, amyloid plaques and, uh, and tangles, and eventually, if uh, they, they live enough, uh, uh, they develop dementia as well uh, of an Alzheimer type. And uh, this is becoming very topical nowadays, report that there is no an association for Alzheimer dementia, which uh, I've been invited with my first paper, which is kind of interesting. And, uh, and, uh, and these uh, brains, uh, we call, collecting this brain have been a labor of love. It's very difficult to collect the uh, brains from Down syndrome. I don't know, Margaret, do you uh, have better peers? You, you have? Uh, okay, so I should talk to you. Okay. Anyhow, so it was very, very difficult. In any case, we could uh, see that there was beautiful uh, increment of uh, amyloid precursor protein. Uh, in beta 40 or 42, 42 
he's a bad guy, he's the most uh, toxic, uh, polymerize and uh, uh, produce havoc uh, in, in the bank. And, uh, and uh, Projev, fantastically elevated in, in, in the Down syndrome with uh, Alzheimer's uh, neuropathology. And the synthesis of FNGF, normal, okay? So it's a metabolic problem. It's not a problem of synthesis, which is different with BDNF. There are two different systems. You will see a compromise in the synthesis of BDNF, but not of NGF. And the promoter for the two molecules are different. And there is a beautiful cor uh, uh, correlation, a static correlation between the elevation of pro-NGF and the burden of Ibita 42. So uh, the, uh, the pathways seriously compromise in that uh, uh, tissue plaminogen activator, marinate uh, 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 production, and activity also will produce activities down, and the uh, cymogen plaminogen is down in Alzheimer's. As in Alzheimer's, the MEP protein and activity is uh, higher. So there's both a compromise in the conversion and in the degradation, more degradation. How early is this uh, phenomena in Down syndrome? Uh, this will be totally surprising, and it was surprising for us. Fetal, we uh, had access uh, to Irvine collection of tissue culture of uh, Down syndrome fetal cells, and, uh, and they had the advantage that we can judge what the centracellular, uh, which is centracellular, which validates uh, our pathway further. And in that, we saw that uh, uh, intracellular there is no change in, in, in pro-NGF, but uh, the intracellular material is very high. The TPA is uh, uh, elevated, uh, down-regulated, uh, but also in intracellular. And the uh, metalloprotease night is uh, elevated as well. So the must start in a very insidious manner by only building up uh, along the case, uh, which is uh, quite remarkable. So to make a very simple uh, 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 composition of this, uh, we are postulating that this uh, beta oligomers we create an inflammatory situation in which we uh, produce uh, the disarray in the NGN metabolic uh, pathway, uh, such uh, that uh, the ability of mature NGF uh, will be very diminished to hit uh, the NGA-dependent neurons. And uh, TRAC-K will be one of the first proteins that will go down as a receptor for NGF, because TRAC-K itself is NGA-dependent, as we have shown in the 80s, and along with uh, separately hefty, frac hefty in America. Uh, uh, therefore, uh, it is uh, very bad news for pollination neurons not to have NGF. And this means that uh, the whole trophic uh, support neurons diminish seriously, and um, there is less acetylcholine, and uh, besides the cognitive function, acetylcholine will uh, also have a negative metabolic function because acetylcholine will bring uh, APP towards the non-amylogenic pathway. So less acetylcholine will facilitate amylogenic pathway and will be a reentry type of process. <coughs> And uh, so the conclusions of uh, this part is, uh, are that NGF releases pro-hormone uh, and, and uh, is mature integrated in the intracellular space. And this uh, pathway is compromised both in Alzheimer's and in Down syndrome. 
uh, which is a failure in the conversion of pro-NGF to mature NGF, explaining the paradoxical increment of uh, pro-NGF, and its increased uh, degradation, which uh, both will have uh, result uh, very diminished uh, levels of biological active mature NGF. Uh, so the pack should have a negative impact in cognition because it's no question that uh, coordination neurons do participate seriously uh, in, in cognitive uh, uh, function. Surely many other transmitters as well, but it's uh, one of the first casualties in, in uh, both in Alzheimer and in Down syndrome. The, the interesting news that are challenging is that we have shown that the pathway can be manipulated experimentally in animals. It's not easy uh, to translate this uh, to human and can discuss but uh, we certainly will explore in progenic models uh, what uh, can be done. And, uh, and this engineered uh, regulation should or might occur at the silent stages of Alzheimer's uh, uh, disease, and Down syndrome is shouted that this might be the case. And, uh, and it might be this member of the, of the pathway, candidate to biomarkers, and we have just one paper in general Alzheimer's disease showing that one metal of protease is uh, very early on activated. And uh, so that's uh, what I wanted to share with you. And I would like to indicate the people who have done the most for what I talked today. Florencio uh, uh, Lita who is an, an amazing graduate student. And she has opted to stay as postdoctoral to capitalize on what uh, she has built up. And it will be my third graduate student who did uh, uh, a postdoctoral with me. One is. Uh, Eric Pioro wrote a scholar at Oxford, the postdoctor at McGill, and that being the director of the Apitrophic Lateral Acrosis Clinic in Cleveland. Great guy, for some of you know him, was a fantastic colleague. And John Priestley, who was the cell bi director of cell biology at, uh, at London University. So the other people who uh, done this work is Samuel Allard, the pharmacology of it. Here is Ted, who is a collaborator, of oh, no, future collaborator, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Brown. And uh, Sonia De Carmo, who is a great molecular biologist. We have attracted new transgenic models, which are spectacular if you, they work. And my loyal uh, technician for uh, uh, the case by now, the uh, Captain Sailor. And these are people in the past that uh, have been very significant. Uh, some of the work can be done with Rivero da Silva, uh, McGill, uh, uh, Bennett uh, 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 from the Rush Medical Center, the Ross, uh, uh, the study Klein for antibody Evita oligomerics, and they work on mass spectra, uh, 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 mass spectra work can be done with uh, Multap and and uh, uh, and the. Uh, we're supported by the CHR, uh, the ERSERC, uh, Natural Science Engineering Council, and also by the Alan Frost and the uh, family and Mer Canada. We're not strings attached. Um, that's it. Thank you very much.